We are um, in the middle, well, we're towards the end of a series on worship. You'll be aware of that if you've been around. We've been talking about worship, what's it all about, uh, what do we do when we worship, and all of that. This morning is um, an opportunity. What I really want to talk about this morning is what it is to be the people of God worshipping. So, you know, one of the things that we've said probably a number of times during this series is that Um, worship is our response to God. As individuals, as created beings, God is amazing. He's done some amazing things in our lives. What Jesus has done on the cross in saving us, in shedding his mercy into our lives so that we can come to God. These are incredible things. And our response to him is coming to him in worship. Amen? But what we've said is actually the whole of our lives are about worship. And so the whole purpose of God in saving mankind, in coming up with a rescue plan for a fallen uh, humanity, is to turn people who were rebels into worshippers. Okay? That's the whole purpose of God, that those who were not worshippers, those who were in rebellion against God, who were against God, have been turned around, have been given new life, that we might once again be, as it was originally intended, worshippers of the Most High God. Okay? So that is the purpose of salvation, rebels to worshippers. And so we said, actually, the whole of life is about worship. And whatever we're doing, whether it be, um, I always, I, why do I always use the example of cleaning toilets? I don't know. What is it about that? I don't know. But whatever we're doing, we can worship God in the way that we do it because our whole lives are to be worship. And so really, having said that, actually, all of what we do is worship. And, and in fact, that when you come to church, You might be thinking about something completely different with God. You might not be responding to God at all, actually. You might not be worshipping. It's perfectly possible to come to church and not worship, of course. And so what I want to say, the question I want to ask this morning is, why bother to come together? Okay, if we've said the whole of life is worship and we must worship in all that we do, then why do we bother to come together? What is it about gathering together to worship that is significant? That's really my question this morning. And right now, you may, of course, be thinking, well, that's a good question. Why did I bother this morning? I could be at the outlet doing my Christmas shopping right now. You might not have got into the car park. It's very busy right now. But you could be there. In fact, you may be listening to this online right now because you were at the outlet when I preached it. (laughs) But there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. But Colin will get you. Thank you, Phil. But I believe that there's something hugely significant about our gathering together as the people of God. And I believe that it's something that we need our eyes and our ears open to, particularly in our day. That there's something significant that we have uh, that we're a part of and that we have to do as we as we gather together. So that's where I want to go this morning. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this uh, chance to gather together, to focus on you, to be the people that you've made us to be. We thank you for this amazing rescue plan, Lord, that we are no longer rebels, but because of the mercy of God in Christ, we have now become worshippers. Lord, we thank you that we are free again to worship you. Thank you that there is no condemnation. Lord, that we stand clean before a holy God this morning as we come to you in response, in worship, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd help me this morning. I pray, come amongst us by your spirit. 
Lord, I pray, open our eyes to see who we are. Lord, to see the high calling that is ours as the people of God. Help me, Lord, I pray. Touch our hearts and minds by your spirit. Lord, that we might go out changed this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So my starting point this morning, really, to look at this corporate aspect of worship is the same as, the, uh, as, uh, as with anything in worship, that actually what we're doing is a response to what God has already done. It's a response to who God is, and it's a response to what he's done. Because one of the key attributes of God, you know, is that he is corporate. He's not on his own. He's not an individual. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he dwells in harmony of relationship as a community in that sense. And one of the key things that God has done in saving human beings is that he has formed a people. He's made a people. The Bible makes that very, very clear, doesn't it? So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, You are a chosen individual, a royal priest, a holy child, God's special possession that you... No, it doesn't say that. See, it doesn't say that. It says that what God has done is that he's made a chosen people. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you see, there's two things that have happened that we are responding to when we worship. We, we ha- once we hadn't received mercy, but now we have. Now we've been cleaned up. We've received the mercy of God. And so we worship him for what he's done in Jesus Christ. Amen? But that's not the only thing that's happened. The other thing that's happened is that once we weren't a people, we were going our own way, doing our own thing, just worried about ourselves and not caring about anybody else. But actually, what God has done is he's formed us into a people. He hasn't just saved a bunch of individuals to now go and live their individual lives, but in response to God. Actually, he's gathered a people. It's basic, but I think it's so worth reiterating for us. So this is a key part of our identity, that we're a people. This is what God says to us today. You've been gathered together as a people. There's something significant about who you are together. You know, a key part of our identity when we're born in the natural is the family that we're born into, isn't it? For better or for worse, for different circumstances, different situations, sometimes that's challenging, sometimes it's wonderful. But actually, it's a key part of our identity, the family that we're born into naturally. And so, in the spiritual, it's the same. A key part of our identity as beings who have been given new life is the spiritual family that we're born into. Amen? You can deny it. You can run away from it. You can ignore it. But it remains true nonetheless that we're born into a family. And you can't be a Christian on your own. I believe that absolutely. You you know, I think there's various people, particularly in our society right now and in our culture and with all the things that go on in churches, there's lots of individuals out there who'd say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm, I, I have this relationship with God, but there's no expression of being the people of God together. And I would say, 
Not possible. Not possible to be one of God's children, to be a Christian in the full sense and be out there on your own, not gathered with the people of God, because this is a a fundamental part of who we are. We've been joined together as a people. We've been joined together as a family. That's why we have such a high view of church. We think church is absolutely key with all the challenges Actually, we've been made to be a people. God has done something with us that brings us together, out of the world together, with people who are utterly different from ourselves in so many ways, different cultures, different ages, different backgrounds, different experiences. But God, in his mercy, breaks down the barriers, not only between us and him, but between us and fellow human beings that we might gather together as a people to worship him. Amen? So that's why we have a high view of church. It's also, by the way, why we have a high view of baptism. Because actually what you're doing when you get up the front and get dunked and publicly confess what God has done is you're saying, I'm joining this family. I'm joining the people. It's a public declaration that I'm now on board with the people of God. I've got a new family. That's why we do it together publicly. That's why it's fundamental. And we see this all through the Bible. This, uh, the, story, the Bible really is the story of the people of God. It is the story of different individuals, but a, a key theme all through the scriptures is the people of God, isn't it? All through the Old Testament, God rescues a people. Fundamentally, yes, there's individuals amongst it, but God rescues a, he, he rescues a people out of Egypt. He gives a people a new land. He gives promises to a people. Amen? And so at the beginning of the story, it's a people, it's a community. At the end of the story, if you go to the book of Revelation, that side for you, what's the picture at the end of the story? It's of a, a multitude, a great multitude that no one could count around the throne from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping Almighty God. Amen? So at the beginning, it's a people. At the end, it's a people in glorious harmony with all their differences, but come together to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And right through the story is a story of a people. If you dip in in the middle of the story, Jesus, his death, that fundamental point in the story, and the pour, after that, the resurrection, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, another key point, but it's a people. God creates a new people group with the pouring out of the Spirit and the age of the church. All the way through, it's the story of a people. And what we need to understand, it's fundamental to us, and I think sometimes we haven't got a grip of this, is that actually we're in that story. We, we, look, at the, we look at the stories of the Bible and we kind of see it as separate from, somehow from ourselves. But if you look at the story from the, the rescue... The people of God rescued from Egypt right through to the, uh, the multitude worshipping before the throne of God. You're, you're in the middle of that story. The church is in that story. We are that people. Amen? We're no different. And I think we can have a lower view of ourselves sometimes. But we're, we're in that. There's this great river flowing through history, the people of God. And we're right in the middle of it in our day. And we need to understand the, the significance of that. We need to feel the weight of that, of being the people of God in our day. Amen? Amen. So what does it look like when post the cross, post the resurrection, Jesus gathers a, this new community. They're all, they start out fearful. They're worried. Uh, there's lots of people against them. They're not sure what it means. Uh, Jesus has died, but now he's come and he's risen again. He's met with them. 
And then the, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and a new community is birthed. What does that look like? Because we're part of that. We're part of that age, that church age. So let's have a look at Acts 2 and see the description of that, of that, that people group, that body that's gathered together. Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it's up on the screen, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an amazing picture of a people gathered together, initially in fear, but baptized in the Holy Spirit, God's power and presence poured out upon them, and now this dynamic, exciting community where people were being added every day. That is the, that's the people that we're a part of. There were some unique things about the, the group at that time and some, uh, some unique factors in history that meant that all people from different nations were together there, but fundamentally, it's the same, it's the same people group that we're, that we're part of. I mean, so... I think we need to get hold of this, this word together here. It says they were gathered together. They did everything together. Because I think in, in our culture and in our mindset, we can, uh, we can have too low a view of this togetherness. Because there's something very powerful about this word. It's a word that occurs mainly just a few times. The Greek word, homothomadon it is. You don't need to worry about that. But it's a, a, a word that appears a number of times um, in the Acts of the apostles. And always it's got this dynamic to it. It's full of fire. It's full of energy. It's not just that they were together, kind of relaxed, you know, uh, they, they just hung out together. There's something uh, of passion, of excitement, of uh, activity, of energy amongst them when they were together. So, the same word, you see, we would use the same word for that, that sense of, you know, that sense of a crowd together. It, it's, not, it's not particularly a Christian word, so it's the, same, it's the same word, for example, when Stephen was stoned and the crowd got hold of him and they dragged him out because they were angry at what he'd done. That's the, the crowd were together when they dragged Stephen out of the, set, uh, out of the city and, and wanted to stone him. The riot in Ephesus, when Paul, the things that Paul was saying in Ephesus in Acts uh, caused such an uproar amongst the people that they got together and they were angry and they wanted to do something with Paul so he didn't go into the theatre. I don't know if you remember those stories, but those, that, that was the same word. The crowd were together. There was, a, there was a, an anger in those cases. So it's not a Christian word in that sense. It's that same sense of, you know when you go to a football match? I don't know if you do, but... Um, there's that sense of the crowd where you're not quite sure what might happen. So like in the semi-final of the playoffs this year early with Swindon, were you there? And the, the, there was such a tension in the crowd and there were loads of goals and we were about to go to Wembley playing Sheffield United. Can you all... No, a bit blank. But there was a, you didn't quite know what was going to happen next because the sense of the crowd together and at the end of the match, everybody floods onto the pitch and you kind of think, I want to get out of here because I'm not sure why, quite what might happen. But that is people together. It's the same word. It's that togetherness. Are you with me? That's the sense of the word. And that was what the, the early church had when they gathered together. There was this passion. There was excitement. Only without any of the anger, 
without any of the violence, but God had done something in their midst. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God was with them as they gathered. They were expectant. What would he do next? That's the sense, together as the people of God. Amen? So two questions, really. What is at stake for us as we seek to get to grips of what it is to be together as the people of God? What's at stake? And then what will it take for us to see, uh, to see this amongst us? What is at stake? What will happen if we get hold of what God has done with us? If we get hold of this sense of being together as the people of God, his spirit amongst us, full of passion and energy and excitement in response to what he's done, but also expectant about what he might do amongst us in the days ahead. To answer that, I want to have a look at Acts 4. So let's have a look at Acts 4. Um, You'll remember the story, hopefully. So Peter and John have been, um, well, they healed someone, didn't they? And they've been talking about Jesus and the fact that he's, ri- uh, that he's risen again. And the, the rulers and the chief priests are not happy about this. They get very angry. They chuck Peter and John in jail um, because it's the evening. And then they call them up before the rulers the next morning. And they say, what on earth are you doing? Why are you causing this uproar? Why are you talking about Jesus? It's outrageous. We don't want you to do this. You're causing a stir, all the rest of it. And they, they tell them that they're not allowed to speak about Jesus anymore. Yeah, do you remember? And Peter and John say, well, stuff you basically, kind of. Um, you know, you judge whether it's better for us to obey God or to obey you. We, we, we need to talk about Jesus. And so they let them go, give them lots of threats. Um, and this is the story at that point, Acts 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So that was the consequence of being together as the people of God. They were under threat. They were being persecuted. They didn't know what was going to happen next. They were probably a bit scared, but they got together. They cried out to God, and they, it's the same word. They were together. Now, I've lost my notes. Sorry. So this is the pattern, I believe, for us in this togetherness. What, what do they do when they gather? Well, their voices are raised to praise God. They were in difficult circumstances. It wasn't easy. They were being attacked. They, wasn't, they weren't sure what the future for them was as, as, as this little body of people. But they quoted God's word back at him. They declared the promises of God. 
They acknowledged the reality of the circumstances they found themselves in, but they cried out to God for his intervention. And they said, enable us, God, as your people to proclaim who you are with boldness. And Lord, we pray, come amongst us by your spirit. Do signs and wonders, do miracles, do amazing things that will demonstrate who you are amongst your people. Amen. And I believe that's the same pattern for us. That's what's at stake. A, that we'll be able to face the circumstances that we, that, that we have in our lives, both personally, but also in the world around us. And who knows where they're going in the days that we find ourselves in. Not only that, though, but fundamentally that we will cry out to God and be emboldened and empowered and full of faith that his gospel might go out, that we might proclaim the word boldly, that signs and wonders might come and those around us might see who this God is. So it was said earlier, wasn't it, that as we gather on the 13th at the Orbital and at St. John's, as we're out in the public, as it were, that we might be a sign and a wonder in that sense. That we might be this people together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the word of God might go out boldly from amongst us. Amen? That's what we're looking for. No, nothing less than that. It's the, we're the same people that were in Acts. And so as we get hold of who we are, as we get hold of the God who is amongst us, I believe that we should expect two things to happen. That we'll be able to face the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And they're varied for us individually, but also together. As I say, we, the world feels like it's getting a bit more uncertain right now. But we come together as God's people and we declare back to him the promises of God. We say, Lord, you've made a people. There's a, the, the pattern of their prayer is the pattern of our prayer, I believe. They start out, sovereign Lord, they say. We recognize who you are. You're the creator of the heavens and earth. Now stretch out your hand amongst us. And that's our prayer. That's our pattern as the people of God gathered in this day. Sovereign Lord, we declare who you are. We worship you. We acknowledge you're the creator of heavens and earth. We acknowledge what you've done. Now stretch out your hand in our day. Amen? That is the pattern for us. It's the same pattern as it was in Acts. That the people around us, that those who do not yet know Jesus might hear the word of God, see the amazing power that is released amongst his people and come to know who he is. Fundamentally, that's what we're about. It's the same pattern for us. That's what it is to be the people of God together. Are you with me? And I believe that that is what is at stake. You see, we make it about so many different things. We make it about so much smaller things, don't we? Do I feel like going to church today? What we make it about whether what whether the music's too loud or too soft, whether the whether chairs are too hard or too too comfy, too comfy, maybe not. We make it about the people that we might have to interact with, or the the, the people that we don't like or don't get on with, or the. We make it about the coffee or the, well, maybe you don't make it about these things, but we, we focus in on small things so often in terms of what it is to be part of church, what it is to come, to gather together. And what I want to, us to do today is to have our sights raised to say, what is this people of God that we're part of? What is it to be part of it? What is it that we're gathering together for? Forget about whether it's comfortable or not. Forget about whether it, it quite suits you today or whether it wasn't to your liking or whether the sermon was just too short for you. I know that's often the case. <laughs> but 
let's make it about being the people of God together that come together and say, Sovereign Lord, you saved us. You pulled us out of darkness. We believe that you're the creator of heaven and earth. We believe that you promised amazing things to us. We believe that we are the vehicle for our society, seeing who you are, Jesus. Now stretch out your hand, won't you, amongst us in our day. That's what it's about. It's not about what I feel like today. Did you have a good feeling? Did you, was it a good experience for you today? Look, the truth is, you will have lots of good experiences if we are the people of God that we're truly gathered to be. You see what happened in, in Acts 4 when they got together and they cried out to God in the midst of terrible circumstances, persecution. What happened? The building shook. There was quite an experience being part of the people of God in those days. But I don't think they were looking for it. I don't think they went in with their Bibles that day going, oh, I hope it's going to be a building shaker today. They weren't after the experience, but boy, did God turn up as they cried out to him. That's what it is to be the people of God. See, I think we need to change from, we got this, often I think we, we kind of are, we see ourselves on the outside of church looking in, going, well, I, what about this? Well, I would change this, maybe I'd do that a bit different. Oh, I like that, that, that bit's good, but... I think we need to switch that mentality to say, to, we're not on the outside looking in, we're in. God saved us in, he's made us part of a people. And now we cry out to him and say, God, make us the people that we read about in scripture. Let's see your power amongst us. Lord, sovereign Lord, we want to cry out to you that in our day, your kingdom might come. Amen. So please, as Colin says, in two weeks time, Sunday the 13th, come with this view of the people of God. You know what? I just think we might be more church out there than we've ever been in here because it's about being a people called out and now demonstrating who he is because he's done something amazing in our lives. Amen? This is what is at stake. So what will it take? Is it straightforward? No, it isn't. Absolutely not. Let's go to Paul's letter to the Romans at the end of that letter. And this is what Paul writes to the Romans. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind, same word again, by the way, that's that together word again. So that together, with one mind and voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then. We don't expect it to go there, but that's what he says. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So what Paul's saying in this, as he rounds up this letter to the Roman church is he's saying, because of what's at stake in the church, I want you to accept one another. I want you to put up with all the things that you find a problem with one another, all the things that are difficult in coming together as God's people. I want you to accept those. I want you to treat one another as Jesus has treated you. That's quite a tall order, isn't it? How's Jesus treated you? That's how I want you to treat one another. Why? Two things. 
So that the promises to the patriarchs, he says, so that the promises of scripture, the promises of God over us might be fulfilled. So it's, this, is the, this is how important it is, how we are as the people of God. We accept one another, we serve one another, we treat one another as Jesus treated us so that God's promises might be fulfilled. And in this case, it says, so that the Gentiles might see, that, that they, they might know. And in our, so those outside of God's people right now, those outside of the kingdom, that's the context, might see who God is, might come in. Amen? My notes are all over the place. So we come together, we build this people of God, we give ourselves to it, we put up with the things that we find difficult about it, we serve one another, we treat one another as Jesus treats us, so that God's promises might be fulfilled in our day, and that those currently outside the kingdom of God might see God and come in, might, might know him, might be brought in. Amen? Amen. I want to read, the, let me read the message version of those few verses, because this is brilliant. It says this, may our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you. That's the, how we treat one another, how we, our attitude towards one another in the people of God. May he develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Jesus, staying true to God's purposes, reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises would come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we do. Amen? Just think. And I, that's one of the things I love about this sense of being together as a people of God, being united. You know, there's so many, there's the, look at John 17, the promises of what is available to us if we can be united as the people of God. And by the way, that goes out beyond just being a local church, of course. But if we can accept one another, serve one another, put up with all the challenges of being church together, then Boy, what promises might come true amongst us? What kingdom advance might we see? What, uh, what gathering in of those who don't yet know God might happen amongst us? Amen? That's what's at stake. You see, we, li we like our gatherings different, don't we? Let's just face it. We're different from one another. We have different personalities. We have different experiences. We have different likes. We have different dislikes. We don't all like the same thing when we come together. So that, of course, it's going to be a challenge. It's different from, you know, sometimes I think that we, we come to church and we have this sort of, it's a beam me up Scotty sort of, it's me and God in my little, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm relating to God, never mind what everybody, no, no, we're a people. I think we should feel free to open our eyes and look around the room at what else is going on. Let God come by his spirit that we might build something that you can't build in the world. You can't gather people from all this diversity and accept one another. and understand. But, but if we don't do that, we will just be the same as everybody else. But by his spirit, there's something new that he wants to do amongst us that the world might see who he is. Amen? Amen. You know, some of you love it when Daniel's up here and gets us out of our seats and, 
and dancing in the aisle. And some people are like, no, just don't look at me. I don't want to do it. And that's, listen, that's fine. That's not a problem. We don't all have to be the same. What we have to do is, Romans 15, accept one another. And enjoy what it is, the much higher calling of what it is to be the people of God called out of darkness together. Amen? You see, I don't honestly know how I ever ended up in this church. Because when I first came, I, I nearly didn't come. This was a long time. This is 23 years ago, actually, when the church first started. But I very nearly didn't stick it out. because I w- Well, mainly because I was worried something might shake in the building or somebody around me might shake or do some weird thing. And so I was very conscious of wanting to be right at the back and not looking at anybody else and hoping beyond hope that nothing would happen. That, honestly, that is how it was. But then I think God did something by his Holy Spirit. It took a long time. And he tricked me by, he, God tricked me by providing a whole load of people that were really friendly around me. <laughs> you see, whatever your personality, you will like things a different way. And that's fine. And some, you know, the, the way we respond to God, we respond to God individually, and then we come together and we respond corporately. Both are fundamentally important. But some will find one easier because of your personality, and some will find the other easier. Personally, I feel like, feel subjectively like I meet with God more when I'm on my own, probably. But that's a personality thing. And for some of you, it'll be the opposite way around. You'll find that really difficult, and you'll find it much easier being together with other people. And, but that's fine. But they're both fundamentally important. They're both part of our identity. It just means we have to work harder on different things. Because we're made different. Isn't that glorious? But what I want you to understand is what's at stake. And that is that those who are currently outside the people of God might see who this God is. And what he's done with us. And how he's brought us together. And shall I tell you, one of the other, as I say, this is about wider than just gateway. And so when we read a letter like Paul's to the, to the church in Rome, Colin keeps reminding us at the moment that if, if a letter like that was written by Paul to us, it would be to the church in Swindon. It wouldn't be to gateway. It would be to God's people in Swindon. And actually, that, that's the people that we're with. And I am thrilled about what God is doing in Swindon at the moment amongst the churches because there's something new happening. I'm convinced of it. And over the last months, couple of years, God's doing something. And there's a new trust and a new openness. And it's very exciting that we, I I don't know if you've picked it up yet on the news sheets, but we're our alpha that we're doing in the new year. Sunday the 17th is the launch day at Mackenzie's in town with Daryl Tunningly speaking. Put it in your diaries. Think about who you're going to invite. But what I'm so excited about as well is that we're doing this with a number of other churches now. This is widening out, and it's very exciting because, because as it says in the word, what will God do? What promises might be fulfilled as we come together, as we accept one another and say, no, we're the people of God, and we want though, fundamentally we want God amongst us that those around might see who he is. And God is doing something. It's, it is really exciting. We need to pray for it. Come along on Tuesday. How can you not come on Tuesday? Be the people of God together. Let's cry out to him. Sovereign God, stretch out your hand, won't you, in our day. Amen. Amen. And let's see your promises fulfilled amongst us. Amen. Right. Let's stop there. We want to, let's respond to God. Callum, guys, do you want to come back up? We've got a little bit of time.
I'd love us to just have that. Can we have that sense as we respond of what it is, the privilege of being the people of God, the, this identity that God has given us together, where we value and we honor one another's differences and all the challenges of being the people of God together, but we say, oh God, what a thrill that you brought us together and what potential as you begin to fulfill your promises amongst us. Amen? So what I'd love to do to start with, I'd love to, us to do an individual bit and then I'd love us to just gather back together corporately as well and just celebrate who we are. But can we stand together right now? What I'd love us to do to start with is just individually in our hearts, just as you've been uh, listening this morning, if you're challenged about just your, the, the way you think about church, if you feel like, God, yeah, I want to be a part of this people of God in a way that I haven't been up to now, if my response to this being part of the people of God has, needs to go up a gear in whatever way, if I'm not investing in it as I should, if I'm not praying for it as I should, if I'm not going across the room to other people in this body as I should, if I'm not using gifts that God's given me for the sake of the, the good of this body, if in any way you, you want to say, look, I want to take a step just to honour, to recognise this body and play my part in a different way, Whatever that might look like, I'd love to just invite you to make a response and just to come and say, Lord, I want to be part of making the people of God all that we're called to be, all that scripture says we're meant to be. It's a different kind of response maybe, but if it's in your heart to say, yeah, I want to value the people of God more highly, in whatever that looks like practically, I'd love you just to, to invite you, just come. If you've had a wrong view of the people of God, of church, if you just want to say, Lord, I want to, I want to be right. Let's forget what everybody else is doing. I want to just invite you to come. Just be bold and courageous and say, Lord, I want to be part of making the church all that it's called to be, all that it is in Scripture. Whatever that looks like in our day. See, we, have a, we, we live in, in days of huge opportunity, I believe, and that's going to take response in all sorts of ways towards the people of God. And that will look different for different people. It might be about praying. It might be about giving. It might be about serving. It might be about honoring one another. It might be about thinking differently. It might be about going towards those in other churches. Whatever it looks like, I'd love us just to respond and say, God, I'm, I'm in this. I'm for your people. And then I'd love us to share communion together as well. Please, over the next few minutes, just take that opportunity if you want to come and just make that stand before God. I'd love to pray for people. But also, I'd love just to recognize what God has done with us in making us into a people. So let's do that by sharing communion together. This is for those of us who've made Jesus our Lord and we're part of this family now. And this is a chance to celebrate what God has done, both in our lives individually, but 
also fundamentally in bringing us together and creating a people. And so let's use this as an opportunity to bless one another. Go to somebody that you haven't prayed with before, that you haven't spoken to before. Go on, be bold. Let the Holy Spirit embolden you right now and let's bless and serve one another through sharing communion together. Let's celebrate being the people of God. Let's celebrate this diversity that we have. Amen.